0: When it comes to amusement parks, Kings Island, Cedar Point, Bush Gardens, there are two kinds of people. There are the kinds of people who ride roller coasters, and there are the kinds of people who remain firmly planted on terra firma, the ones who hold the phones and the sunglasses and the other loose items of the coaster addicts. And I got to tell you, I am not a roller coaster addict. I do not like not being in control. An effective roller coaster feels a little bit like a Boeing 737 Air Max undergoing massive engine failure. I don't like that sensation. I don't. In 2013, my wife suffered a double pulmonary embolism. And I remember her asking the doctor at the hospital if she was going to die. His only response, Mrs. Vanderpool, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know you're in the right place. Will she live? Will she die? I didn't know. In 2003, I gave up my job, my income, and my stability to help launch Generations Community Church. Would the church make it? Or would it flop like every other church plant in Nicholasville had from 1993 to 2003? I didn't know. I didn't know. There is a sensation in your stomach in these kinds of moments. It's, it's kind of like butterflies, but it's, but it's not the good kind of butterflies. The kind of butterflies you have when you're in love and you see somebody and you're like, oh, wow. No, it's not like that. It's, it's more like acid reflux. It's more like... I I think I'm going to throw up kind of butterflies. Let's be honest. There's been a lot of things to fear in the last couple of years. With politics, Donald Trump losing, Donald Trump winning. Uh, If they win, they're going to take away your guns and freedom. If they win, they're going to plunge the earth into climate change, death spiral. Everything is cast in apocalyptic terms. COVID-19. Everything about COVID-19. There's another wave, there's a new wave, and a new variant. Beware, beware. And let's be honest, as I've talked to several of you who are now kind of re-entering life, a life that has been very different for you over the last year, you've admitted something to me. You've said, you know what, Max? When I was at the grocery store the other day, I was I was actually anxious. I was anxious being around people. What is going on? <laughs> It's been a year. It's been a year. Look, today is Easter. Today is Easter. And I want to tell you that Easter comes to people who are shaken, afraid, and who've had their expectations turned upside down. Easter comes to exactly those kind of people. In Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, the prophet says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news that of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. And Jesus himself in John chapter 14, verse 27 says this, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Today, we're going to be in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, just a few verses. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, you know the big parts of this story. On on Thursday night, Jesus was betrayed by one of his friends and he was arrested. On Friday, Jesus was beaten, tried, in a mock trial setting, and then led to a hill outside of Jerusalem where he was crucified. And there, he died. On Saturday, Jesus lay in the tomb, dead. But on Sunday, the tomb. Was empty. The empty tomb was first discovered by women who thought some troublemakers had stolen the body of their friend and rabbi. And and when they told this report to the other disciples, Peter and John ran to the tomb to see for themselves. And when they got there, yep, yep, it's empty. And then later that night, this happens this passage from John chapter 20, verses 19 and following. That night, Jesus appears to his disciples inside a locked room. I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. Jesus has risen from the dead. How did he act? What did he say? Jesus has risen from the dead. How did he act and what did he say? Well, first of all, the doors were locked. The doors were locked. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. And they were afraid. And they were wondering all kinds of things. But Jesus had a physical body. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. So Jesus had a physical body. He's not Jesus, the friendly ghost. He's Jesus with a resurrection body, but it's not like ours, like he appears. Don't ask me how did he do that. I don't know how he did that. I just know that Jesus can go where no one else can go. Let me say that again. Jesus can go where no one else can go. He can go where no lover can go. He can go where no friend can. He can go where no counselor or therapist can go. He can go where no doctor can go. There is no place you can go that Jesus can't. The doors were locked. That didn't keep Jesus out. So, first of all, the doors were locked. Secondly, the disciples were afraid. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They were afraid of the authorities. They were afraid of all the other people. They were afraid of the events that had taken place over the last few days. Were they next? Are they going to disappear in the middle of the night? Are they going to be crucified? I mean, and then the whole thing with Jesus, that wasn't supposed to happen. He was the messianic king. Had they they gotten it wrong? Had John the Baptist gotten it wrong? They were afraid. Look, I don't know what you're afraid of these days. I'm just going to tell you a few things that I've been afraid of. Last year at the start of the pandemic... Last year at the start of the pandemic, I actually applied for several part-time jobs. Not because I needed them, not because I was bored and and, and had all this spare time on my hands, but I was afraid that many of you would get laid off, that you would lose your source of income, and that the income for the church would drop dramatically. I didn't know how things would play out, and I I didn't want generations to just stop because it couldn't pay me. And so out of fear, really, I applied for jobs. It's funny, I, I didn't need them. I, I've been afraid of losing Jenny from time to time. Uh, if I'm honest, I am afraid when I think of the future, and I'm sometimes worried, uh, will I hand off Generations well when I'm in my 60s, and, and I'm not the pastor of Generations Community Church anymore. Will Generations Community Church be okay, or will it stumble And then, you know, I don't know about those of you that got kids, but I got kids and I sometimes am like, are my kids really prepared for the world that they're entering? I mean, it's crazy out there. Ah! (laughs) Jesus comes to his disciples when they are afraid. Jesus will come to you when you are afraid. So the doors are locked, the disciples are afraid, and Lastly, I want you to notice Jesus comes. He comes and stands in their midst. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do today with you. Peace be with you, Jesus said. In the Greek, it's Irenae, be with you. But, but Jesus probably spoke Aramaic. I mean, we're well, pretty certain he spoke Aramaic. So he, he would have said Shalom. Shalom, be with you. Shalom. Shalom is a is a Hebrew word, and it most commonly refers to a person who is uninjured and safe, whole and sound. Shalom. It's even a greeting to this day. Shalom, my friend. Shalom, my friend. Adam and Eve lost shalom in the garden when they sinned and rebelled. Israel lost Shalom, when they sinned and rebelled and were invaded by Assyria first and then the Babylonians. But, but the prophets of the Old Testament promised that Shalom would come, not just for Israel, but for the whole world as a gift from the Messiah. The prophet Isaiah tells us that this coming Messiah, this coming Messiah, whom we know as Jesus, is the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. Jesus gives shalom between us and him. Jesus is now our friend, not someone to fear. Shalom between us and God. Instead of God waiting to squash us for our iniquities, God is now our loving father. Shalom between us and others. He breaks down all the isms, ists, and ismists, like racism, sexism. There's no more hostility. Shalom between us and our soul, or us and ourselves. He gives us a clear conscience. There's no more, I just can't forgive myself for, dot, dot, dot. And this peace, this shalom, is a gift. Again, John 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This peace, this shalom is a gift. You got to receive it or walk away. So let me ask a couple of questions. Where is there a lack of peace in your life? Where is there a lack of peace in your life? And then secondly, who do you need to make peace with? Who do you need to make peace with? Let me suggest a few ways to to take this home. If you're feeling afraid or shaken like the disciples were, if you're not sure what God is up to in your life, I would strongly encourage you to use your God-given imagination to visualize Jesus entering that room, entering that place, entering that relationship. So like literally, take a moment in your day, close your eyes, And visualize Jesus coming into that work environment, coming into that relationship, entering that place in your life and saying to you, Shalom, Shalom be with you. Jesus defeated death itself. He's got the hands and the scar to prove it. He's committed to you. He's with you. He's for you. How might that change your confidence level for Jesus to enter the room? Secondly, i got to remind you that, that peace and worry, or peace and fear, cannot coexist. Peace won't share any space on the inside of you with things like worry, fear, or anxiety. And here's the thing, worry, fear, and anxiety will create a pressure inside your body that forces out any peace you might have. And what does Jesus give? Does Jesus give anxiety? No, no, no. What does Jesus give? What, what does He say He wants to be with you? Peace. Shalom. And then, lastly, look, Jesus can give peace with yourself. The disciples in that room, when Jesus appeared, were feeling ashamed. They were feeling guilty. They were disappointed in themselves. I mean, for crying out loud, Peter cut and ran, denied Jesus three times. All of them fled. They had abandoned their friend and their rabbi in the hour that he needed them most. And, and how did Jesus act? What did Jesus say? And Jesus spake unto them, saying, you miserable failures. And he slapped them on the head. Is that what he did? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I read the wrong translation. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus can give you peace with yourself. I spent some time on Thursday uh, with James Ballard. We were talking about life. We were talking about our wives. We were talking about health struggles. And we were talking about the passage for today from John chapter 20. And James brought up Colossians 3 verse 15, where Paul says this, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the peace of Christ, the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, rule. Jesus is king. Jesus wants to rule. And so you want to have that peace. It's palms up. It's open heart, open hands. It's surrender. Because here's the thing, if you're in charge, if you're in control, if you're behind the wheel, peace is going to elude you. Kyle Eidelman talks about a surrender in the shower moment that Americans ought to have. I don't know if you know this, but here are the top four things that Americans do when they're in the shower in the morning. They go over their to-do list. Well, that's encouraging. They go over their problems and worries. Oh, that's great. They daydream, that could be be good, and and they work. People actually work in the shower. The top four things Americans do. And and Kyle Iteman says, look, take that moment in the shower and surrender. God, I give this to you. God, I surrender this to you. God, please give me shalom. Please give me peace. Here's what I know. A life of faith starts with a decision. In the lobby of our church facility, we have three pictures, head, heart, and hands. And and those three pictures kind of summarize the journey of the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It starts with that head moment, that follow me moment, that decision moment. That decision of Jesus, you, you are the Messiah. You are the king of the universe (laughs) and the rightful king of my life. And you are enough. Your life, your death, your resurrection mean I don't have to hide from God. I don't have to hide from others. I don't have to hide from myself. Forgive me. Restore me today. Today, I will follow you. Again, I just, I feel it really important this Easter to remind you and to draw out this beautiful moment. All of the disciples are gathered together in a room with the doors locked (laughs) and they're afraid. They're shaken. All of their expectations have been turned upside down and Jesus appears to them. Jesus comes into their midst. Jesus enters that place What does he say? Peace be with you.